You're tuning in to the Life Technician Podcast with Sammy Rangel, who went from disaster to master and is now changing lives by changing minds. Thanks for joining, everyone. Today's guest, Emily Katz, better known as the self-healing consultant, reached out to me a little while ago and said, hey, I really appreciated the message in your TED Talk. I get thousands of those messages and they are always heartfelt. Most often you hear from those people sharing their support with my message of the power of forgiveness. The struggles they've had with healing, with forgiveness, repairing those wounds that just linger. And you also hear on the other side of that, all the shame and guilt that they've experienced throughout their life as a result of not living beyond that up until a certain point in their lives. After receiving Emily's message, I went and looked into her and I saw that she was really trying to focus on mastering mental health and a lot like me, wanting to help other people through that journey, through that process. We're going to hear from the self-healing consultant today, her journey, her perspective. I can't wait to get started. So without further ado, Emily Katz. Emily, welcome to uh, the Life Technician Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Sam Ringo. We we have been talking uh, for a little while uh, via Instagram, um, and you reached out. You reached out to me, and I was really uh, moved by... Uh, your your initial messages to me about uh, what you had thought about my TED talk, and, and while we'll talk a little bit about that, I, I do I do want to just make sure you're you know I am a fan of of Emily Katz now as well. Sure. Um, I think your story is um, while it is amazing, I do know there are millions of people who will resonate with your experiences, your story. Um, where they, where we start to lose people is on the recovery side, is on the part where we start to heal, on the part where we have started to put our lives back together. And I really want to focus a little bit on, on, on that part for you, because I think the more diverse uh, ways we can describe how someone has recovered, the more likely we are to cast a larger net um, and reach people. Um, part of the mission for the life technician is to scale these messages of healing take them into parts where they cannot um, traditionally be be taken, and then in turn hope that those people turn around uh, and one day do for for someone else what we hope to do for them, right? Like I I really feel like that's an essential part of what the life life technician is about. And to be honest, it was the whole point of the TED Talk. Um, It had very little to do with me wanting to tell my story. By the time I got to that stage, I had been telling my story all over the world. However, I, I immediately recognized that that platform would help me take that message to places. I mean, I'm from a little town nowhere here in Illinois, uh, in the U.S., and there I was on the stage in Budapest um, telling my story, right? And um, what a lot of people don't know is that the, the big part of that story was also, for the first time, um, having just met my brother, who I thought I had lost to abuse, who I didn't know about until I was 45. 
And then when I finally met him and heard his story from, from his foster mom and what tragedies he had been through, what travesty he had been through, um, to the best of his ability, he has brain damage from that abuse to talk about in that story. And uh, I do know he understood because I asked him if I could tell his story um, because I knew he would never really have a stage to tell his own. And he said, yes. And so he was symbolized, as you may know, by the Tonka truck that was on the stage. He was there with me as I told our story. And they're intertwined, they're one and the same. Um, but as I, even as I was there and I was sharing his story along with mine, I knew that what me and him were doing was sending a message of, of hope and healing um, to the world and an example, right? Like that, what the worst of what we can be put through, the worst of what we can do, we can still recover. We can still overcome and not just recover and you know survive as we hear quite a bit, but moving beyond that and having your own life and identity and, and a future and a bright future and providing that and maybe even breaking the chain of family cycles and abuse and breaking the chain of addiction, um, breaking the chain of mental health, um, uh, you know, not living in the stigma of what any of those things mean, but being careful to manage all the parts that come with that, right? So. Emily, it's a, it's a, it's an honor. It's amazing to have you here. I can't wait to tell your story as well. So, Emily, let's turn it over to you. Tell me a little bit about you. Tell me what led you to that TED Talk. What what was going on in your life? What had been happening in your life? What tell us about you? How did you get here? Okay. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. I'm really really honored. Ah. <laughs> um, uh, he said so many things and I want to like address them all, but okay. How did I get across? Uh, how did I find your TED talk? So I'm trying to remember, I was trying to remember exactly when it was, but it had to have been around five um, and a half years ago. It was either just before I got sober or just after. Um, but either way, it played a big part in my sobriety and in my self-healing journey um I was getting sick and tired of being sick and tired that cliche you know that we, we hear about but I I really got to the point where I was scared that I wouldn't make it um and not I think getting sober was always something scary. That was something I was avoiding. Um, I think obviously we, I know that anything that's, that's different from our norm is a threat also to the subconscious. So it was, it was really threatening, this idea of um, getting sober. Um, but I got to the point where not getting sober was far more terrifying. Um, and I'd immersed myself in um, lectures and books, inspirational autobiographies mainly because I, I had an idea of writing my own autobiography. So I said, let's read other people's autobiographies. And I just got so inspired um, by people's resilience and people's journeys. And it put a lot of my journey into perspective, um, kind of if they can change their life around, then, then so can I. Um, and I think that that's 
probably one of the biggest takeaways I got from your TED talk is that if, you know, you, you've been through so much and if you can transform and turn your life around, then, then wow. Like I really, I know that we, we learn by example, you know, we learn how to talk, how to, how to, you know, our body language, our, our verbal speaking language, we learn through example. And I think that it was really key for me to see you lead by example. Um, there, there were a few notable examples, I think, on my journey, and you were definitely one of them. So right there at the beginning of my, of my self-healing journey, yeah. Oh, hold on. I can't see. Yeah, it's me. Um, you mentioned uh, in one of our conversations um, when, while we were getting ready to get to this point, that you felt like the most important relationship we could ever have in life was with ourselves. Yeah. Take me further down that. What, how does a person have a relationship with themselves? How do we, if we don't have one, how do we build one? If we do have one, how do we take care of it? Okay, well, I think that, I mean, the first part is to realize that we are in a relationship with ourselves because, um, I mean, when we kind of take it down to the, to the ego and identity, and, and that's something that I, I had a huge, like, existential crisis of, like, who am I and, and what is my identity and, and you know, make, making meaning of, of the world. I think it was also a bit of uh, coming out of the, the fog, you know, of, of being a drunk for so many years, <laughs> all my adulthood, basically. Um, and I, I learned on my journey that, we identify a lot with our thoughts and we think that we, we really attach to them and we identify with them. So our uh, self-limiting beliefs are in a critic. Um, when we start really noticing how we speak to ourselves in our heads, we realize how um, abusive we are. Uh, and it really is, quite abusive I think for, for most of us or for many of us at least um and it is then the next step was to realize that I'm not my thoughts we are not our thoughts we are thinkers of our thoughts we experience our thoughts um we observe our thoughts we can observe our thoughts and that's really the key but um it's like we drive a car we are not the car we're driving it or we sing a song we're not the song we're the singer of the song and it's the same thing. We're the thinker of our thoughts and we are not our thoughts. And so that for me really hit home when I started practicing observing my thoughts. Um, and it's very difficult, <laughs> but it is doable. Um, and it is a muscle, like uh, a skill like that, you know, gets easier and easier with practice. But I really started distancing myself from my thoughts. And then I realized that it really is like a relationship with yourself and, and, and then that kind of develops and, and evolves and you're like, okay, so I've got this, this voice in my head <laughs> and these, you know, these thoughts in my head and, and I'm in a relationship with them. And, and, and then again, I'm in a relationship with my body as well. Like it's, you, I think it's just the best kind of metaphor to, to put to what's going on and make sense of the fact that we are essentially conscious awareness. Um, but we're in this system, this psyche, the mind, body, energy I, I prefer to call it I mean some people 
So mind, body, spirit, mind, body, soul. I, I like to say mind, body, energy because that, that resonates a little bit more for me. But um, we, 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 so, we are so detached uh, and far removed from ourselves, from the system. We don't know how it works. We're never taught it in school. We're never taught it at home. Um, essentially, we're taught to disconnect, to not to listen to our intuition, not to listen to our bodies. Um, you know, you, we feel pain, so we take a painkiller. We feel depression, so we get antidepressants. By the way, not completely knocking antidepressants there. There's different situations and different scenarios, right? But by, you know, in general, we're looking constantly to numb or silence the symptoms instead of learning to listen to the symptoms. Um, and the more we learn to listen to our bodies, the more we learn um, to hear the whispers and not have to wait for those screams, which is something that I also really resonated with. Like my body was screaming <laughs> and I was just trying to avoid it and, and living with discomfort. So just trying to escape it, you know? And um, yeah, so it's, it's, I don't know if I went off track, <laughs> but oh. the relationship for ourselves, that's what I... You've That's said so much. <laughs> yeah, you've you've left left us with so much to unpack there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know the the name of your the name of your consultancy is the self healing consultant, right? right? And I'm hearing you almost everything you're saying is in the thread of what we have to do to heal ourselves. And I, I what I like about this messaging and this approach right this theme built layered in the way you approach this space is that we're essentially you're informing someone that your healing is actually within your own hands it's within your own ability right because one of them in my book that i wrote uh forbears the myths of forgiveness one of the myths that i had to overcome and that i think is a very common myth um in, in the world around us is that oftentimes our healing depends on someone else. It depends on the outcome of certain things, the actions of certain people, the results, whatever it may be. A lot of times we feel like the healing aspect of a wound, of trauma, um, is oftentimes the misperception is that it lies in the hands uh, or someplace outside of ourselves. And if the world could just fall into perfect place, into perfect harmony, my healing would be possible. A lot of the times we don't recognize that the writing on the wall is ours and that we can erase that writing and change what it means or keep it the same and change what it means, right? Because for, for example, love, if you saw love as the word on the wall, it might trigger anger, resentment. You might be like, you know, F the world. Um, you know, I'll never love again. Love is not for me. I'm unlovable. But then once you're in a process, once you're past the process and into it of healing, forgiveness, compassion, empathy for yourself and others, you see that word love on the wall and it has a completely different meaning today. You realize that it's attainable. You realize that it's something that lives within you and always has. You are listening to the Life Technician Podcast with your host, Sammy Rangel. 
Normally this is where the ads would go, but I don't have any sponsors, so I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things right now. Think about who needs to hear what we're talking about today and share it with them. If you're so inclined, put this on your social media and ask people to take a listen. The next and final step, this would be gold status. Introduce me to somebody who might find what I have to say interesting enough to ask me to come out and speak at their engagement or invite me on their show. Speaking of shows, let's get back to the Life Technician Podcast. And I hear what you're saying, that if we could come to terms with the fact that we could actually lead the charge for healing ourselves, that healing would be possible, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just, I just want to say that I think it's also, I believe that we are products of our environment, okay? Um, to a certain extent, obviously, some is genetics, and, and, um, but a good percentage is, is our environment. And we live in a society that, um, that is very much about the bottom line, right? And at the end of the, you know, we say money makes the world go around. Um, and in our world, yes, it's, it's about the bottom line. And so the, the systems that are in place are not, um, they are not supportive of self-healing because there's no profit in that, essentially. Like, there's, there's profit in needing to go to a doctor, depending on a therapist, depending on approach, going to pharmacies, you know, getting the pharmaceuticals. Like, that's all where the money is. And so there's no reason for the system to, to change or to do anything differently. Um, and so it's kind of up to us. I think it's, it's, it's going to be a bottom-up approach uh, or shift where we say, hold on, like, we can actually take our power back um, because at the end of the day, no one knows me better than me. <laughs> like, I'm the one in here. I'm the one that's experienced what I've experienced. No one else has experienced the exact same thing that I have. No one else will know exactly what you've been through. No one else will know exactly what I've been through. And, yes, we can relate and we can, you know, have a lot of things in common and, and we can empathize with each other 100% and that's a one of the most beautiful things that humans can do right but i think that um i think that taking that power back and and taking responsibility for ourselves and for our lives and for our life trajectory is is one of the most rebellious acts you can do to the system but it's also the best thing that you you can do for yourself and and i think it is claiming back that power and saying hold on like you know i'm I get me and I'm the only one that's ever going to get me and I'm the one that's kind of stuck with me for life. And, and so I should kind of nurture that and I should nurture that relationship and I should learn about that. And I should kind of, it just, it seems like you don't, it's going to be really, really hard to fix something if you don't know how it works, right? Like your, your television breaks. If you knew how a television worked, it'd be really easy to fix it. You wouldn't need to call the technician, right? So the life technician, right? I think that the whole, what I'm about is, is understanding how this works so that we can fix it when it malfunctions <laughs> or, you know, when there's something going on, um, it will be that much easier to fix it ourselves because we're the best ones for the job, essentially. Like, literally. 
<laughs> you know, I, I do agree 100%. You know, I'm a, I'm a social worker by trade, um, worked really hard to, to, to get to that point. And we do recognize the social pressures, the social injustices that are out there that are feeding into this stuff, right? For example, you're talking about mental health and medication. Here in the U.S., at least, um, about 85% of all diagnoses around uh, mental health, um, emotional, or personality disorders are given to women in this country. And yet the vast majority of these women have also experienced issues such as domestic violence. Our own helping community can't tell the difference between mental health um, symptoms and symptoms of abuse, symptoms of violence and long-term violence, right? And they're often getting misdiagnosed and mistreated uh, and, and over-medicated. I do think to your point, we, we have to rebel against that system. And the first part is for people like you and I who have, who have broken free from some of those constraints, from some of those um, systems that are meant to kind of keep us subservient, keep us stuck in this way, right? Um, I've also come to terms, you called yourself a drunk earlier. Uh, I, I would say that's pretty harsh. And, and, and on yourself, although I know what you're trying to communicate. Um, I also used to see myself as a juvenile delinquent, but when you get into the fine details of my, of my youth, everything I did was an act of survival. Um, the, when I started stealing, the first time I stole was to, to have a place to sleep and to feed myself at 11 years old because there was no resource. Yes, criminal to a, to a technical degree, but also a throwaway homeless kid who was not on anyone's list as a priority, you know, trying to survive. The way we the way we interpret these experiences today really matters. The way we've typically interpreted them, though, has been through the socialization of being very judgmental and condemning. We we see behavior and we judge that behavior. And today, I think what me and you are working towards is seeing the behavior and trying to understand that behavior trying to understand what has motivated it, what has gotten us here and how to heal, um, how to help that person heal. We don't get anyone's buy-in by judging them to death. Where we can get buy-in from the community, from the people around us is by understanding them, validating their experiences, which is not to be confused with co-signing anything that they've done. It's simply as saying, I understand you. I can see why you made certain decisions or why you did certain things, or I can see all these things impacted your life it's there's no harm in that we're not conceding and we don't need to condemn in the process of trying to help someone out of whatever ailments they have um the self-healing consultant as we start to wrap this up i could hear baby i know i know you have to go <laughs> take care of your family what would you say? What would you say to someone who is stuck in their trauma? What what is the what is the message you would send to them, uh, in hoping that something that that reaches them could help uplift them? Cool. Okay, I wasn't prepared for that question. I'm trying to think because there's there's a lot, and I think that why I do what I do, which is consulting, um is because I don't believe there's one size fits all. And that for me is like the million dollar question. What's that one thing that you can tell someone that can kind of like shake them out of it, you know, and, and get them to, to, to start healing and, and, you know, getting better. And I haven't yet come up with what that one thing is, but I hope I will one day. 
But what I, what I advocate um, is finding what works for you. Um, and there are so many different things out there, so many different modalities, so many different, um, you know, practices and exercises and, and things. And I think it, it is just getting curious, get curious to understand yourself and how, how, you know, your psyche works and, and why you're feeling the, the ways that you're feeling and understand humanity, understand behavior um, and then go and, and try different things until you find the thing that works for you. I mean, for me, it was yoga, for example, and, and reading and lectures and being inspired. I think inspiration is, is a huge, huge thing, you know? So if you're feeling stuck, get inspired. Read books, read autobiographies, read, watch TED Talks like yours, you know, get inspired to, to believe in yourself that you can change, that you can heal. Um, because it is possible. Um, and, I, and I really do think that a big part of what I'm trying to, to promote is like demystifying um, healing and, and trauma. And I mean, my, my, my concept is, is the consulting concept. I, I, I'm formally trained as an organizational consultant. So I go and analyze the symptoms, diagnose the problem, and then help implement the solution. And I do it in, in organizations. That's what I've been trained to do. And I hold on organizations that, you know, it's all about the bottom line and the profit. And if the best way to solve problems is consulting, then why, you know, maybe I can apply that to the individual <laughs> because, you know, there, there's no, there's no profit in, in, helping, you know, mental health. And so it hasn't, I guess, been studied as much as like, what is the best method and the best way to, to make people, you know, heal and, and feel better. So I'm, I'm applying what works for groups of people thinking that it should probably work for the individual as well. So that, that's, that's my method. My model is, is consulting and figuring out what the symptoms are, get to the root cause and then, you know, research best practices to solve that problem and then implement apply like you know yeah. that's how i do it <laughs> I, I think the secret behind all of that that's motivating you right and i think you alluded to this yesterday when we were chatting a little bit was you, you have found something that you're passionate about and you're hanging on to that right you're you're trying to find out as much as you can about what you are passionate about right now you're diving into that right and i've created a program called formers anonymous which is essentially based on this principle that you need to connect to the things that matter to you the most and the hard part is identifying what that is sometimes right when you're coming out of addiction you're coming out of street life you're coming out of trauma knowing what you feel connected to can be very elusive but once you can start that journey and discover at least one thing that you feel connected to Oftentimes, it's that one thing that provides that counterbalance to uh, to your life that starts to raise you, that starts to motivate you, that starts to lift you up and push you forward. We spend a lot of time talking about mental health, but what I think you're really doing, what I think you're really talking about, is spiritual health, which and and not a religious form of that, but mm -hmm. spiritual. I mean, what are you connected to? What gives your life value and meaning? The way you talk about your your baby, right? Like it's amazing because your whole personality changes when you you reference that, and you can just see all this love and concern. Like it, you're just like a fully engrossed spirit thinking about that baby, right? Like 
I can see you're deeply connected to that. I can see you're just as deeply connected to the work that you're doing, um, Emily. Yeah, and maybe that was a loaded question. It's not even a question I like because I get asked that. That's the million dollar question in my book, right? It's like, what was the one thing? And it's really a constellation of things. And I think what I was trying to get at, and I think we started the show and I think it makes sense to end the show is that there's hope, right? Even in a hopeless situation, hope is the one thing um, it's the one thing people can't actually just take away from us permanently. They might've blinded us to it. They might've tried to bury it, stuff it. But if we've made it this far, it's probably because somewhere inside of us, there's still hope that there's another, there's another way, there's another, a better day ahead of us. And I think me and you are both shining examples um, of what we can recover from, you know, I am a fan, Emily. We will be in touch again. The 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 self the self healer here, uh, talking to us, spreading her message um, of healing, of overcoming trauma, overcoming limiting beliefs, as you said earlier, um, overcoming socialization and social forces that are meant to, uh, or in place and designed to make it hard for us to to see beyond some of these. Um, some of these issues that we all face. Um, you said, I believe that the root cause of the, all the world's problems is trauma. I would say you're, I would definitely resonate with that. But I, I do think that for, uh, for us, that trauma um, today is something that we can turn into uh, something to stand on. As I said in my TED talk, what once held us down can one day hold us up. And I think I say this full-heartedly and with all honor paid to you for your struggle and your recovery and your change. And now that you're helping, you are a shining example of how to take what was holding you down and stand on it as a foundation to reach others. So Emily, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you a million times for, for your message, your shining light. Let's stay connected. Thank you. Definitely. It means the world coming to me. Thank you. Where can we find you? Um, I'm very active on Instagram, the self-healing consultant. Um, and I also have a self-healing support group on Facebook. Um, that's, a, that's a support group for women at the moment, uh, women only. So that's uh, the self-healing support group for women online <laughs> on Facebook. Um, and my website, theselfhealingconsultant.com. And I am here and happy to help anyone who wants to embark on their self-healing journey. To take a line from Emily, I think what she makes very clear here is that the most important relationship we have is the one we have with ourselves. And if we can take some time to work on that, whether it's individually or with the help of others, Emily is innovating and taking successful business practices and applying them to the individual through consulting, putting you in the driver's seat, whatever it may be. Emily Katz truly is a symbol of what is possible for all of us. Thank you for spending time with the life technician, Sammy Rangel, who went from disaster to master, now changing lives by changing minds. Please make sure to leave a review and follow Sammy at SammyRangle.com on Instagram and Facebook.